Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. How do you create a no-glass-ceiling culture where everyone can thrive? How do you make the subject of regulatory compliance inspiring and motivating to tech talent when it's not normally a subject that perhaps at first glance is going to get people pumped up? And how do you make a genuine difference in the lives and in the localities where you're based, in the local communities where your global company is actually situated? These are the questions that I talk about today with Ben Dorks, who is the Chief Executive of IdeaGen. IdeaGen is an AIM-listed leader in the regulatory compliance and risk software space. He was appointed uh, to, to the role in 2018. He'd previously been Chief Customer Officer. And we dive in to um, Ben's passion, his, his inspiration, uh, how he motivates people, uh, how he serves the local community, and how he's created mentoring programs that are really, really impactful in his local areas. It's really what gets him out of bed in the morning. And I think this comes through in this fascinating episode, which I'm sure you'll enjoy with Ben Dorks, CEO of IdeaGen. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the show. Hi, nice to meet you, Richard. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Hey, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, you're the chief executive of IdeaGen, which uh, is a really fast-growing company. And um, and um, I think you've got a really interesting story to perhaps to tell us about you know, what drives you as, as a leader of that business and kind of what gets you out of bed in the morning to, uh, every day to build this business. I think you said that it was, um, you're hoping to double the business, right, um, over the next couple of years. So it's, you know, for business that's already a, a reasonable sized business, that's no mean feat in what's a very uncertain world. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we jump in, why don't you perhaps just explain a little bit about what is IdeaGen? And how did you get involved in the first place? What attracted you into this business? Uh, yeah, th- thank you for that. Uh, uh, so IdeaGen is a uh, regulatory and compliance software tool um, used by uh, over 8,000 organizations globally uh, to manage everything from their quality, health, safety, um, audits, through to uh, regulated collaboration in organizations such as you know, KPMG through to the, the Federal Aviation Authority. Um, the, the company was uh, originally uh, admitted onto uh, the London AIM market, so we're a, a listed business all the way back in 2012 uh, as, a, as a buy and build vehicle. And uh, I came with the first acquisition, so I'd started my own business uh, all the way back in 2004, um, bootstrapped it, uh, paid, the, uh, paid the salaries on the credit card in 2009, uh, which mm. I remember very vividly. And uh, and felt and felt really lucky, if I'm honest, to uh, have made the uh, made the, the sort of exit 
um, and then uh, really grew in IdeaGen. I started off as a, a sales and marketing director um, and uh, moved through to the board and uh, became chief executive in, uh, in 2018. Fantastic. So you came in as sales and marketing director and then you became chief executive. I'm always, I mean, it's interesting, right? You've had an interesting journey then, founder into a more corporate structure and then promoted. So first of all, what got you into this space? Obviously, you were already in the regulatory space, presumably before with your first business, which was then acquired. You know, what kind of motivated you to get into that in the first place? Why was that important to you? So I started, yeah, absolutely. I started off selling uh, and developing uh, reg- regulatory uh, document management for healthcare. Um, and, you know, that really came about from a, you know, working in the healthcare market in, in selling other software for a period of time and understanding uh, the risks associated with, you know, incorrect documentation being presented to clinicians, um, the way that uh, particularly around pathology, which was a, an area that we, we invested heavily in about getting timely reports uh, to the right individuals, including, you know, your, your local uh, primary care GP practice, um, as well as understanding, if you like, the trends. So one of the mm. issues of the historical systems was that um, you, 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 know, you couldn't, you were taking something very much in isolation rather than see it in the context of maybe what had been happening over a period of time. So uh, for me, uh, I, you know, I, t- I took a, a great, great pride um, in trying to present information uh, that, you know, enabled them to comply with the regulatory oversight they had um, in the UK, the MHRA, um, as well as being able to really improve the, the producti- productivity and the diligence of the clinicians that are actually making that decision. And, um, and then that's really evolved um, to where we are today, as I said, you know, with, mm. with over 8,000 customers uh, across all types of markets. It's interesting you use the word pride because I was going to interrupt at some point and then you, you went there and I was going to say, like, does anybody really get excited and passionate about regulatory compliance right like you know is that something you can really put your heart and soul behind or you know for me it sounds a little bit like it's this tedious admin but it sounds like there is some you know it sounds like actually you saw beyond that i i I would argue it's those quiet voices um those safe hands um, that really protect our world Mm. you know they are they are they are very diligent. Um, they're very much focused on, on doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. But, you know, let's mm-hmm. be honest, nobody invites into a board, uh, you know, the, the head of health and safety. Um, and it's often only it's only often when something goes wrong that right. they, they realize they've not been investing. So, uh, you know, we feel uh, that our business is really to support those quiet voices and safe hands that are protecting the mm-hmm. world. Um, and, and be and be a voice for that community because I think that that really for us is how we're uh, we're going to make a difference and make an impact uh, and people realise that it's it's not just about box ticking, um, which is mm. often what people think about when we talk about regulatory and compliance, um, but that it actually has a benefit and. Uh, there's lots of examples, you know, uh, that, you know, if you take the food industry, uh, the regulations in the food industry to make sure the food that appears on your table is safe and edible, you know, and not going to give you salmonella is one example of where, you know, regulation has a very positive effect. Yeah, at this point, about it's not just about box sticking, I think is, is a great one, because it means you're having to ex- explain a bigger, you know, the bigger meaning behind it all so how do you how do you do that right i know you're in the tech driven business ambitious goals very tight talent market 
right? So you have to you have to sell this vision a bit, right, to people um, internally and externally, I guess. Um, so how do you kind of help them understand that bigger picture, right? That it's not just about, as you said, box ticking. And I think you've you've got to look at the outcomes that can be achieved by delivering, you know. Uh, a, a, a really honest and effective regulatory and compliance system. Um, you know, if we look in, in our aviation customers that include British Airways and Emirates Airlines and Ryanair, um, they will all focus on, you know, on safety and the more information that they have and the more open uh, the, 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 the policy is and the environment around safety, uh, the less likely planes are to crash. And, and yeah. you know, that for us is what we're trying to achieve across all of our, our markets. Mm. And, you know, we include aviation, we include uh, transport in that, but we also include life sciences, food and drink and healthcare. And so for us, mm. um, the, the similarities between each of those markets, they may be at different stage in their genesis, but the similarities between those markets are, uh, you know, a, a, a very obvious. Um, mm. We just have to make sure that we, we're talking to the story about the outcomes of what you're going to achieve, um, not the fact there's an extra two boxes to tick on a form, which is how often chief executives feel about it, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as you said, it, it's it's so fundamental. And actually, it is a massive risk factor for for any any company. I was one of my clients um, yeah, I mean they're they're in actually not a tech client this one, but they're more of an industrial um, global uh, player. And for, you know, for them, it's like yeah, health is number one, and then profit is number two because it has such a massive you know any any accidents just destroy everything. You know their brand, their reputation, their you know everything. Right? It's just yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, re- reputational impact is is huge. Um, uh, I mean, the personal cost is 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 huge yeah. and significant, and and the financial impact, and and so mm. you know we talk about uh, the, the the outcomes of all of those. You know, if you if you've got a you know a robust system in place, then that makes a, a, a huge difference and can have mm. a huge impact on 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 lives, on the business, and on your on your customers, and that's what we really mm. focus on. Yeah. So let's talk about your personal mission as a leader. Um, you said, you know, you're set up your own business. You have other entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you've obviously stayed in this business now for uh, for many years. Um, what's the personal mission that you're on, right? What drives you as a leader? Um, you know, what's the legacy that you that you'd look to create? You know, if you, you know, at some point when you leave this role or when you retire or whatever it is, <laughs> what are you going to look back on and be really proud about? You know, what's that legacy going to be? Um, I think in, in terms of legacy, um, you know, I, was, I was actually born three miles away from, uh, from where this office is. Um, you know, my family still live here. My mm-hmm. father's in the nursing home down the road. My mother lives literally in the next village. My three brothers all, all live within two or three miles of, of where we are. Um, you know, we, my father started the, the homeless charity around here. So, uh, you know, building a business in your own backyard mm. Uh, means a huge amount and it, it's it's really significant when you can actually start to have a, a significant impact on the communities the local communities mm. um, around us um, you know and create you know significant employment opportunities um, so for me you know the the personal legacy is about you know creating that sustainable organization um, that you know creates lots of growth opportunities 
for 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 the local region um you know and supports and supports our communities and you know we have a big community program um think big that's uh, you know, offering apprenticeships to to 16-year-olds, level two apprenticeships to 16-year-olds that, you know, traditionally are not in employment education or training. And, you know, it's a very, very visible impact to, you know, dozens of people um, each and every year. Um, and and that, that means, a, you know, a huge amount. So creating that, that sort of sustainable business uh, that supports that, you know, when I'm not here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, although I probably feel like I'll be going out in a coffin if I'm honest, because <laughs> I love it that much. But yeah. you know, I think that for that for me is 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 the personal legacy, and you know, if we can if we can do that on a on a global basis, not just in Nottingham, but also in our offices in Kuala Lumpur and in Sydney, in uh, in in Blacksburg in the US, and replicate that uh, on a global basis and have impact mm-hmm. on on hundreds of lives, then. Um, I shall certainly uh, retire happy. Yeah, no, I love it. It's it's kind of it's a global dimension to it, but then it's local within that, right? It's that it's then well, in your own backyard, but then also there's other backyards, right, that you can also be working on. I think it's uh, it's nice to look at it in that way because it gets very specific, right? That you're not trying to, you know, you're not able to probably impact, you know, every community in the world, but you can. Yeah, absolutely. In. I mean, yes, uh, yesterday, I mean, I, uh, we, we sponsor Nottingham Forest, the, the football club, through our, our Think Big community programme. Um, they're super supportive of that. And yesterday, you know, we, uh, uh, we, we went through to the next round of the FA Cup. And, you know, there, there were 10, 10 kids there that we've taken out of school that have gone through the Think Big masterclass. Um, you know, and as part of their reward is is that they get tickets. And, you know, that, that's great. Mm. Seeing, them, seeing them sat there and being enthused that they understand that, you know, great performance can give great rewards even at that young age and they start to see opportunity. And that's what the Think Big program is, is to nice. be able to see opportunity in, in, in tech and, and, and in themselves. Um, you know, <clears throat> the business, the business may have uh, more than trebled um, since I became CEO, but I still take far greater, <laughs> far greater mm. pride in seeing that last night than I, I necessarily do about the, just the growth of the business. Yeah, well, I always say, you know, finance is, a, is the fuel, it fuels the business, but you have to know what, you know, where, where the business is going, what's the impact it's trying to make, actually. Um, not everyone agrees with that, right? Some people just believe it's the finances or the matters, but I think actually when, when you have a purpose which the finance can fuel, then actually you create more of a virtuous circle and everything improves. I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see. And I think as you know, beyond that, it gets lots of other people engaged into yeah. uh, what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, when we did this initially, you know, we said how many people want to mentor a, 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 mm. a, a sort of child through, uh, through their, you know, <clears throat> within our organization and 45 people put their hand up straight away and said, yeah, put us through the mm. program so we can support and help somebody mm. um, in that last year of school when they're, they're likely to fall off a cliff because they come from, socially disadvantaged backgrounds and everything else and uh, mm. as I said you know you, you take great pride in, uh, in, yeah. in things like that. That, that I think that makes a real difference to the business um, as well as the community yeah I think that's a great um, it's a great story I um, have a, a client of mine who works in telecoms and um, one of his founding visions was really this idea of you know for example installing fiber networks in disadvantaged areas and seeing, he said, I just want to see like one underprivileged 
kid, you know, create a new career, you know, in gaming or something like this, right? Because he had the access to the infrastructure and yep. be able to kind of lift himself up and, you know, and, and create a new future for himself. And, you know, that has now happened, but, you know, it's very many years ago, he had this thing and now he's, there's great gaming hubs and all these things that have been created, um, which is not normally in the remit of the telecoms company, but because he had that larger vision and people, you know, people rise up to it in around the ecosystem, employees and partners and, and customers and other things and I think uh, what you talked there about the mentors you know and actually giving them some, something to be pr- proud for, proud in um, I think is super differentiating so yeah I, 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 I'm, we're, we're, we're really pleased about the impact it's, it's having um, as I said not just not just in the communities but you know wider than that within the business and um, I think as a you know, as a business, we're we're very much a business that believes in doing the right thing as it's the right thing to do. Um, I think we were one of the first corporates, certainly in the UK, to announce that we were cutting ties with Russia. Um, we did that within within a, two hours of uh, being invaded, and you know, we we felt it's the right thing to do. You know, yeah. uh, we have a number of countries that we refuse to deal with because. Um, you know, they don't underpin the values that we hold very dear to us as an organisation, and yeah. um, that's that's the way that we've always just tried to to run the business. Very much our, our our personal belief system. It's Richard here with just a quick interlude. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, I have a free resource that you won't want to miss. I've put together a short email course called Exponential Leadership Principles. In it, I set out how you can use the same strategies as some of the world's top leaders to get out of incremental progress and achieve breakthrough results. Be prepared to have your current thinking challenged and to learn some very new ways of leading. If you're interested in following along, simply sign up at xquadrant.com slash go slash exponential. And now back to the conversation. So Ben, tell me about how do you mobilize people around your vision? You know, clearly this is a um, an organization, I think, with several hundred people in it. Uh, you're going places, you know, you, you want to double the business. Um, you cross multiple geographies. Yeah. And how do you mobilize people? How do you get them to bring their best to, to the game? I think uh, that's a great question, Richard, and and I've, uh, it's one I think about actually quite a lot because, you know, in 2004, when there was five of us, you know, locked in a, a single room when we were starting our own business, um, you know, mobilizing those people is is very different mm. uh, to where we are today with with over a thousand and fifty people. Okay. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's something that I've really had to change in the way I, I manage that that communication um i think that for me um it's it's a lot about honesty and transparency and and humility and i've you know i've learned along the way some hard lessons along the way that you know you've you've got to make sure that you you are listening to people and i think listening is at the heart of you know uh, of a ceo and so I've always, you know, after after those times of thinking that I was the brightest and best in the room, um, and I think every CEO has probably gone through that stage. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, I've focused very hard on on active listening and, you know, not talking over people, speaking last, 
Um, I've always found it challenging when we repeat the same subject. Um, I'm not somebody that needs to talk around things in circles for very long. Um, please ask my wife that one. Um, but I've, I've sort of recognised that listening for the quiet voices is really important, important as the, the sort of loudest is rarely the most insightful. So, you know, for me, that honesty and transparency and, and listening, um, I think, has been really important. I think that the second part of that is, is that one of our core behaviours is drive. You know, so I set very challenging goals. I very much believe in that, that culture of excellence um, and high standards. Um, and, w- and when we sort of look at our, our values, you know, our values are ambition, um, their adventure uh, and their community. And, you know, that ambition uh, very much reflects the way that, you know, we view the world, that we, we, want, to, we want to be the, the, the trusted name in regulatory and compliance solutions globally. We want a global community of, of, of customers and colleagues and a real family. Um, you know, we want to have fun along the way. We want to create a, a, an environment that is constantly disrupting ourselves. Um, and we need to do that in a safe environment. So if you're going to constantly uh, disrupt yourselves, and I talk about being relentlessly dissatisfied, then we need to, to do it safely. And, and therefore we talk about, you know, there's no such thing as failure and, and only feedback. And, and so for me, um, it's, it's, you know, mobilizing people is about creating a, a purpose and a vision that people feel that they mm. can, they can stand behind. Um, and then encouraging people to, to be curious, uh, to, to develop, to explore. Um, and, you know, we talk about IQ, EQ and CQ. And, uh, and the CQ is the commercial acumen of, you know, having a learning-based culture that, that people feel safe in. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, because I, I hear that you've got this, you know, you obviously optimistic and, and, and uh, you, you bring a lot of that to it, but also you've got this relentless uh, dissatisfaction you talked about and very high standards and drive and challenge um, and so forth. So I'm just kind of wondering, um, how does all that play out in the organization? If I was going to talk to, you know, somebody in the organization, what would you think, what, how are they, how are they experiencing it? I'm just, you know, curious as to um, what would you say, you know, what, what do you think they would say inspires them? And what do you think would they say might say frustrates them? Um, I think frustrates them is sometimes change. Um, you know, we can, we, we, we like people that like adventure and part of adventure mm. is challenging yourself and liking change, but mm. not everybody likes change all of the time. And we need to recognize mm. that different people are at, at different stages in, in their, in their sort of change cycle. Um, so that's mm. something that we, we become very, very aware of. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think sometimes change creates uncertainty mm. and, um, you know, through that, you, you then get fear um, and mm. doubts. And, and so, you know, for us, if, if the negative side of all of that is that we have to we have to make sure that we get our, you know, we, we, we get our communication really well. Yeah. Um, that we're that we're, we're presenting with with clarity, because if you've got a growth vision that sort of looks a bit like that, then yeah. <laughs> um, I think clarity becomes really really important and there's almost a uh, a pact of trust between us as leaders mm. and the rest of our colleagues to ensure that they they feel safe in that mm. 
Um, for those for those on the flip side of that who are you know um, you know feeling very adventurous at that particular point in time, then we we create great opportunities. You know, we're an organisation with with no glass ceilings. Um, if you if you're good enough, you'll be given the opportunity, and you know, and that very much comes from myself. I mean, you know, people right. often say, "How did you end up as a CEO?" Um, I certainly, when I left school at 16, um, with with not even a handful of of GCSEs, uh, and my first job was door knocking, um, selling pens and paper. I'm not sure that anybody believed I'd become CEO of a, uh, yeah. a, a of a of an AIM30 uh, company, you know, employing over a thousand people. So, you know, for us, um, it's all about being able to uh, create an environment where people can grow and develop. Um, and people who are very much in that change cycle, uh, you know, can really explore how far they want to go and how quickly they want to go. Because, you know, mm. an organization that, that is as fast as ours, there's always opportunity. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Ben, because I think that story, you know, your story is bound to come out in that leadership ethos, as you said, right? You are the example of no glass ceilings and therefore that's the organization that you're creating you know I always believe that there's the deep the story the personal stories of the leaders come out in the culture right because it's who they are it's 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 what they're passionate about and it's what they deeply stand for and so I guess I see I see that in you right you've mentioned that several times I, I can see that already that you do stand for you know growth right people giving people opportunities Absolutely. You know, uh, there's, there's people, um, certainly in my background, um, that, that gave me opportunities at different stages. You know, um, you know, the first the first time I jumped from uh, the tech, the, the, the sort of paper industry into the tech industry uh, and uh, and then, you know, finally being given the, the chance uh, when the, the CEO uh, left left idea gen to become the chairman and you know, he, he he straight away said we're not we're not having a search uh, ben's going to get the job and uh and that's very humbling you know that 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 people are prepared to to back you to the extent that they have along the way um yeah. especially with you know when you when you see these you know not got a lot on it <laughs> well let's let, let's let's move on just as see time ticking away i want to ask you a few quick of our quick fire questions i always find these interesting to get uh guess the responses to these from different uh, executives around the world so what's your what's a favorite quote like that, that might guide you as a leadership principle that you stand with um i um so i i uh, people uh, it's uh maya angelou which is people will forget what you said people will forget what you did um, people will never forget how you made them feel and yeah. uh, i i stick true to that principle all of the time yeah i love it how about a famous app, a, a favorite, a famous app, a favorite app, something on your phone, you know, that might be, might not everybody be using, but you find it's really helpful for your own. Uh, McKinsey, McKinsey Insights. Um, yeah, I really, um, and Outlook, obviously, that, you know, I'm completely addicted to, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I do normally wake up and uh, read the McKinsey Insights uh, of, of the day. Um, always useful. Yeah. Different way yeah. of thinking. Yeah, fantastic. Well, a book, a book that's influenced you. Um, so I've gone for an old school book uh, from mm-hmm. a long time ago. So the book that probably had the biggest impact on my life was a book called Power Based Selling, um, which came out in the very early 90s. Uh, and I think I read it first in about 95, 96. And I realized at that point that, that sales had the potential to be a profession. 
um, and a career and that it was something that, you know, if I worked hard at and trained on, then it could have a really significant impact on my ability to to grow and develop. And uh, and that was my that was my first business book. Um, and uh, I still have a copy of it. And every now and again, I periodically pick it up. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, some of those early books have an impact. I remember when I was literally a kid, I picked up my dad's book on negotiation. I don't know, it's called Everything is Negotiate- Negotiable. Yeah. And uh, I remember reading it on holiday and then I was, uh, you know, going and um, negotiating my souvenirs from the, you know, from the market stands and stuff. And it really stuck with me, that book. Uh, it's amazing how those early ones sometimes uh, change your trajectory in some ways. They, they most definitely do. <laughs> so what advice would you give your 20 year self? Um, very simply, leaders read. And uh, I still follow the, the principle of I, I, I read for five hours a week. Um, lots of different books, lots of different articles. Mm. And uh, I've, I've been committed to that uh, for probably nearly 20 years now. Uh, but I probably got into it six or seven years too late. Um, <laughs> I, might have been, I might have got here a little bit earlier if I'd done it a little bit earlier. But I would, I'd definitely tell myself leaders read. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Yeah, I, um, I learned that very similar quote. I, I think it was a uh, readers are leaders and leaders are readers. Um, but, and uh, yeah, it makes a massive difference. I think when I started reading seriously, um, things changed dramatically. Absolutely. Um, last quick question is, you know, many of our guests um, on the show come from referrals. So I, I'm always interested in who inspires CEOs. So, you know, is there an in- impactful CEO that you know who's inspired you? You know, who, you know, somebody who might be a great guest for a future episode. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm very privileged. I know quite a number of CEOs now. Um, uh, Jonathan Satchel, actually from Learning Technology Group. He's been uh, on. He's, he's been on. Ha- he's has he? Been there. there we go. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, he's on our secrets of scaling. Yeah, he's a. Uh, Really that's what fun, I, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. So for me, it's that you know, Jonathan's one of the very few people that have done that sort of soup to nuts journey of creating a you know from a small business to a unicorn, yeah. um, and and for me, his you know the secret sauce is that ability for you know long term vision and execution. And, yes. uh, you know he's uh, in the times I've you know I've spoken to him, he's 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 sort of thinking of D E F while everybody else in the room still on A B and C, and I, mm. that's, that's a that's a real quality to be able to see that while also having the diligence to go back in and make sure that ABC have been com- completed, you know, yeah. to, to, to the right standard. So yeah, John, Jonathan Satchel is probably uh, the first one. I yeah. have many, I have many more, but yeah, it's no, always my. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, Jonathan's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So it was, um, yeah, we had a really good conversation about how he'd been building this business so fast with acquiring and, and, and growing as well. And yeah, very interesting. Um, finally, Let's talk about your next level, because I always believe that no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to go to. Um, so where does IdeaGen go from here? What, what's its next level going to look like? Uh, so we, we want to continue to, to grow, um, you know, for, uh, through a mixture of acquisitions um, and, uh, and organically. We, uh, we expect to sort of uh, double over the next two to three years. And, you know, we have aims and aspirations way beyond just doubling over the next two to three years so you know we have a a, a seven-year plan internally that we're we're looking to uh, to achieve um, and that's everything from a financial and the golden kpis to really focusing on creating a you know a performance-led culture um, 
that is enabling, you know, forging that that global customer community uh, and creating a, a a real family of colleagues. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we're yeah, we're certainly on track, um, but you know, there's always a heck of a lot more that we can do and will do uh, to ensure that we maintain our trajectory and, and, and deliver on the, the sort of aspiration. And finally, what will you need to do differently to multiply your own impact? What's going to be different for you as a leader? Yeah, I think that's that's one of the challenges, you know, having come from a small company background into a corporate background and back into a small company and then here where we are today. I, you know, <clears throat> I love that mix of small business and, and corporate. I think that creates a, a great blend. Um, but as we continue to grow, um, then I need to, to sort of maintain my elevation. Um, it's very easy to get dragged into the detail. And uh, if you're really going to execute on that vision, I need to, to maintain my elevation. Um, I need to, to sort and certainly lead with, with clarity and energy. Um, mm. A lot of that stems, a lot of how the business feels, especially in these very uncertain times, stems from how, you know, how you know, relentlessly optimistic the, the leader is, but the energy that they, they talk about and the clarity in which they're able to articulate the vision. Um, and on a personal note, I, I always have to work on being a commentator versus an improver. Um, which is something that sits on my whiteboard just there in the top left-hand corner. Uh, uh, and, you know, it, it actually really helped drive improvements within the business, not just commentate from afar, which is a very, very easy trait to fall into as a chief exec. And, you know, something that I, I personally work very hard on uh, to make sure that we're, we're, you know, I'm able to, to support the succession of the business in the long term as well. Yeah, thank you. That's a great distinction. Finally, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or, you know, or with IdeaGen, what's the best way for them to do that? Always available on LinkedIn, uh, Ben Dorks, uh, and then uh, the website is ideagen.com. Perfect. Well, hey, uh, Ben, it's been great to, to speak. Um, so I love, I love your, um, your vision, your energy, um, the yeah, sense of ambition that the business has got, and you know, for sharing some of these um, showing some of who you are, right? And, and the kind of business you've been building. And I say, I just love the things that you're up to as well on the social side, right? It's not purely about the numbers. There's, there's a mission behind it. There's creating an employee culture, which is really healthy and, and which is raising people up. And so I want to you know, honor you for, for doing that and for being that kind of leader and also for taking the time to share some of that with us and with the audience. So thank you. No, thank you very much, Richard, for the invite. Uh, truly, uh, truly honored. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.